Special announcement, folks. You won't want to fast forward through this. Otherwise, you'll be furious with yourself. Your hosts are hard at work preparing for the season three retrospective, which may include an interview with a very special guest. And before you ask, no, this is not like the time I pranked Eddie about Mitch Sasson joining the podcast. This is real. We just don't want to divulge our would-be guest's name in case the timing doesn't work and this falls through. That said, this very real, very special guest has invited us to throw open the door for questions from you, our dear listeners. As we're obviously being cagey about this one interview, we're certainly not going to be so presumptive as to assume we'll ever get this person back on the show ever again, so don't limit yourself to just the first three seasons. All five seasons are fair game for your questions, as well as any behind-the-scenes things you might be curious about. So if you've ever wondered what the NBC execs did with all the baby booties that fans sent them in a guerrilla campaign to save the show, now's your time to ask. Your deadline to send in questions is September 15th, 2022, and it may even be sooner than that. So don't dilly-dally. Send us your questions right now. Email is your best bet, pod at themontecito at gmail.com. Eddie has asked me to remind you that the first at is the word at, comprised of the letters A and T. And the second at is the curly A symbol that on many English keyboards is accessed by using shift plus the number two. I don't know why he was so specific this time around. You'll have to take that up with him. Of course, you can also use Twitter at Montecito Pod and help use both methods. Help guarantee we see your question. So without further ado, I think Casey is something he wants to share with us. Casey? Get the jet ready. We're going to Vegas. Welcome to Pod at the Montecito the world's premier podcast discussing the hit NBC television show, Las Vegas. I'm one of your hosts, Judson Clark. And I'm your other host, Eddie McCarthy. Judson, what's good, my man? Well, I think you and I are well established as being anti-crypto bro. I'd say we've made enough jokes on the pod that people would have figured that out by now. But yes, to to make it clear, it's vehemently anti. Well, maybe. Maybe, maybe we're going to go in a different direction because we have been approached <laughs> about launching our own NFTs. No kidding. You know, this podcast, which is free for everyone mm-hmm. to download and listen whenever they want. What if instead that very first episode with the horrible audio quality that we had to re-record the second half of, what if it was still available to everybody, but one person paid us $100,000 to say they had it? More than everyone else. Uh, a uh, Martin Shkreli Wu-Tang scenario, except it's still widely available. Yeah, I'm thinking more like a Jack Torsey tweet kind of situation. Mm, okay. Uh, will the blockchain fix the shitty audio problems that we had starting out? Uh, no, I think the blockchain will, will calcify it and kind of seal that shit up hermetically so that forever, you know, it's, it's really it's a snapshot in time. It's the art, you know. Sure, Bob Ross. Sure. It's not a ha- it's it's not a mistake. It's a happy accident. Hey, if someone wants to pay us real American dollars for whatever this bullshit is, I'm open to investments. I'll, I'll go so far as to say you can pay us in 
bullshit crypto that is equivalent to one hundred thousand dollars of U.S. dollars because it will just immediately convert it or turn it into yeah. actual money dollars. If you've got fungible tokens that you want to turn into a non-fungible token, hit your boys up. Always ready to be funged. Yeah, I uh, I don't know. Just every once in a while, a, a little piece of uh, marketing email calls, comes across the transom that catches my eye. I'm I'm sure it's a completely legitimate, totally oh, for sure. real offer and super real program that's going on. If we were going to have our own cryptocurrency, what would our unit of currency be? Montecointo. Uh, that does that's, that doesn't seem very memeable to me. Hmm. What if we called them Bad Marys? I mean, I, I worry about, I mean, the worth of a Bad Mary would be the worth of most NFTs, which is nothing. <laughs> so it does fit there. Um, Deline dollars. Ooh, okay. Okay. A little long for a uh, crypto coin. But we could truncate it to D-Bucks and then run a cross promotion with the Arizona Diamondbacks. We could be the official crypto of the D-backs is the D-buck. Yeah, the problem is you're getting a little close to uh, Epic's V-bucks for Fortnite, and they have way better lawyers than we do and a whole lot more money. So I worry about that one. Okay. Well, listeners, as we come up on the season three retrospective, if you've got questions, obviously send those in. If you have suggestions for what we should do with NFTs or crypto names, Go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> but don't email that to us. Tweet us so that Eddie can go ahead and mute and block you. That'd be great. <laughs> well, unless you've got something else that we should talk about to waste time of our dear listeners. What do you say? We just get into it. I, I think we are good to go, my friend. Let's go, baby. It's season three, episode 22. Fidelity, bravery, Nope, that's the FB. Sorry, Fidelity, Security, D's Nuts. Hey-o. Uh, let's get ready to swallow! We start on a very sleepy Samantha Jane, who is putting a married couple of whales on Mike and Danny's radar. And it turns out this young, attractive couple are apparently both degenerate gamblers, who, while married both separately to other people who didn't gamble, these two met at a blackjack table and together they hatched a plan to get rid of the slugs they were married to. They did two murders, yeah? It it sounded really murdery the way that Sam described it. Because, like, if I hatch a plan with you to divorce my wife, it's, hey, I'm thinking about getting a divorce. Okay, man, here's a divorce attorney. And then we would never be like, we hatched a plan. Check out our scheme, bro. Like, if you're hatching plans, that you crimed. You crimed... At least a little, maybe a whole lot. Crime was certainly afoot, and really the only crime here, because adultery, while frowned upon, not illegal, at least here in the good old U.S. of A., it sounded pretty murdery. Yeah. I mean, but, you know, for Sam, maybe she's just dramatizing it, tried to get Mike and Danielle titillated, but uh, sure did sound like uh, a couple homicides. Yeah, I mean, either way, Sam's happy because they have a lot of money and they both gamble a shit ton and they love coming back to the Montecito. Because that's where they remember the time they killed their former spouses. Speaking of young love and potential murder, Derek and Delinda are hanging out at a coffee shop and Derek tries to get another answer out of his engagement. 
and then tells a story about Jean-Luc, a colon surgeon from Myanmar that he had a lovely conversation with about Delinda while they were ostensibly wrist deep in somebody's colon. Yeah, I mean, I'm only aware of one other Jean-Luc, but this is this guy's in third place. It was it was certainly not Captain Picard. No, but this colorectal surgeon is not on the heels of the man, the myth, the legend, Jean-Luc Picard. I, I don't even think he is in the same universe. But while they were fist deep in some dude's ass, Derek wanted to tell him about the love of his life, Delinda, because apparently that's what reminds him of her. I mean, she does like butt stuff. Touche. But Derek said that Jean-Luc had the wise words of, you are the dumbest motherfucker I have ever met for leaving this girl. You stupid, stupid man. Yeah, so I guess fairly significant time has passed. I mean, he went to Sierra Leone and has come back. So and Ed did at least one ass fisting while he was there. So probably a good chunk of time. Derek did not put a time limit on the offer. There is no expiration clock, but it does seem like we are probably past the point of getting an answer by now. When I was doing the edit for last week's episode, you know, we sort of left it in the in the weird fast forward denouement. We were unsure if we were in the time vortex. Mm -hmm. And while it is not conclusive, I went back and looked at the episode and neither Mike nor Danny were wearing anything resembling similar clothes to what they've been wearing the last time we saw them before the alarm scene. Hmm. So conceivable that that many days, weeks, nay, months have passed since the proposal. It, it is truly unknowable. What's funny is in all of this, D completely dodges the question, never comes even close to anything resembling an answer. Forget an answer, even acknowledging the question of, so what's up? I mean, when someone says, I don't intend to pressure you, but now I'm going to tell an anecdote that passive aggressively pressures you. I think no selling it is the correct response. Oh, cool. You did. You did not intend to pressure me. I don't feel pressured. Not even to play along with basic English conversation. (laughs) Hey, look, a squirrel. Speaking of basic English conversation, I know fans of the pod are big fans of how we seamlessly move through the episode. Never talking, never signaling. Judson, I'm going to need you to just go ahead and take this next part. Okay. I, I will not play your games. I will not be hoisted. With your paralyzing shenanigans midway through telling what's about to happen, it's all you. I, for one, am now officially shook at this. <laughs> so Sam collapses on Big Ed's sofa, much as Superman did over the front of his horse. But see, I didn't even have that written. You're doing, you're making me do this now. Uh, uh, come on. He literally references Superman in the Fortress I know. of Solitude. You're telling saying- me I'm not going to get T-boned much like... Poor Christopher Reeve's spinal column was by the horsey. (laughs) I'm saying I was not going to do this to our listeners. Bullshit. Bullshit. There is no, not even a percentile of a chance of a whisper of a fathom that anyone listening and sure as shit, not your boy, believes that for a second. Okay, (laughs) there there is a paralysis joke written, but that one was not it. (laughs) So Sam goes up to Big Ed's office, claps on the sofa, and she's like, look, man, I can deal with tired, but I am burnt out. And he's like, hey, why don't you grab somebody and head to my cabin in Mount Charleston? 
Sam, like I think all of us, has no idea this place exists, but Ed maintains that it's very closely guarded secret, comparing it to our favorite quadriplegics Fortress of Solitude. There, are you happy? You've ruined my joke. I am very happy. Much I'm, as the I'm, horse jump ruined Superman's body. Womp womp. I was just worried that you were going to put a timer on poor Ed DeLine's neck the second that he did the Superman pose. No, though that was exceedingly dorky. My thing is, this is the new least believable thing to grace the entire run of this show. That Ed, who hates vacation, is addicted to work, won't go on a retreat with Jillian without a sat phone, has a fucking palatial mountain cabin that we will soon learn has no connectivity. Nope. 100% fake news. This does not exist. See, I, I completely disagree. I find it perfectly believable that the ex-spook is going to have a hideout that nobody can find and nobody else knows about. I would agree with you until he shares that knowledge with Samantha Jane. Like, is this his off-grid prepper doomsday No, safe I'm not house? saying... I'm not saying maybe. No, I'm saying that I would believe uh, I guess that he's got a fucking vacation home where he can't be reached. No, fuck that. This guy is addicted to the the adrenaline rush of running this casino. No way, no how. <laughs> and also, what a really great way for his enemies from his past life to find him and kill him when he can't do anything about it. Not ideal, but, you know, it's got a nice bear rug. When asked to comment, a bear said, Lady McKee has found herself quite a stack of chips at the roulette table as Mike is there to, you know, make sure that she is fully accommodated. And it seems like she might be trying to get accommodated by Mike. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Very complimentary of him. Says he's super hot. He knows he's super hot. But you know who else is hot? Her husband. He's going to fuck around on me. So, Mike, why don't you be a doll and uh, keep an eye on for me? I thought for sure we were about to get a threesome pitch before it went to the surveillance angle. It sure looked that way. But meanwhile, Jeff is flirting, Jeff being the husband, with a pregnant woman at the blackjack table, who, by the way, is officially credited as Prego, (laughs) even though they use her first name later in the episode. She is credited simply as Prego. That's phenomenal. And then gets Danny with a real good joke about how his wife's hot and Danny wants to fuck her. It's super funny and not at all awkward. Yeah. And also he's the jealous type and wants to beat the shit out of him for agreeing with him that his wife is hot. Don't love Jeff. <laughs> no, he, he's starting from behind the eight ball. We'll, we'll see what he can do to work himself out in the rest of the show. But He's got similar worries that his wife did that his wife is also going to do some uh, Vegas fornicating and wants Danny to keep an eye on Judy as well. Vegas fornication being the spinoff to the David Duchovny show that I would absolutely watch 100% of the episodes of. That is a deep pull, but a good cut. Tell me you're not watching that show. Uh, 100%. I'm, I'm already in. So some might argue that the un, the truly uncut, uncensored version of the hit ABC television show Las Vegas would be Vegas Fornication. I, I don't think I watched much Californication, but I remember there being a whole lot of nudity in what I did see. Lots of nudity.
Anyway, with both spouses threatening to cheat on the other, I suspect there might be hijinks about to ensue. What do you think? We may be in for a tad bit of chicanery. And in case anyone was wondering who Sam's going to take to the cabin, just before the opening credits, we get confirmation. The Woodster is en route to Vegas. Woodman. Big fan of Woody episodes, to be honest. So I'm here for it. He's he's an enjoyable goofball. We will not see our our friend Jordan or her missing detective Perez. I don't think he's missing. I think he's dead from our lives on account of being deceased. Crack the code. We should be detectives. Our R.I.P. Rest in Paris. Fun fact, that's actually what R.I.P. stands for. It's a it's a backronym that everyone says rest in peace. That's not accurate. It's rest in Paris. <laughs> As we say, educational podcast kids. Coming out of the intro, Sam is running down some poor girl who this is probably her job and knows what she's supposed to do. But Sam being Sam, if she's going to leave one of her clients, she's going to freak out about it. When Delinda decides, hey, this seemed like a good time for advice. Do you think I should marry Derek? Now, ignoring the fact that asking Sam about marrying somebody seems like the dumbest idea possible. Sam blows her off, rightfully saying, look, you're just going to do whatever you want. So do we really need to waste time with this? I know that administering advice is is your street corner, which I only occasionally tread. I'm going to do it here and then I'm going to hand it off to Sam because she's dropping the most actionable, solid advice we've seen on the entire run of the show. Yeah. Not only the look, no one ever wants advice. They just search for the piece of advice that will confirm their existing bias. So let's just skip to that part. And also, you dumb B, if you're going to talk to Mary, you need to get out in front of the fact that you were fucking Danny a few months ago because all this shit always comes out and she needs to hear it from you. Not a bad call by uh, young Samantha Jane. I think you got to catch Sam when she's tired and busy. And, you know, you don't get the the fucking foreplay that you'll get from Mary or, you know, the long winded diatribe you'll get from Mike or the beer commercial you'll get from Danny. Yeah, which honestly is is kind of cl- much closer to Sam's advice than either of Mary or Mike's, but Sam will tell you what you need to hear. Not necessarily what you want to hear, but what you need to hear. Yeah, we we get an interesting bit at the end of this scene, though, when Dee says, what, you think Mary's still in love with Danny? The sun always rises in the east. You always get hungry a half hour after you eat Chinese food, and Mary Connell will always love Danny McCoy. Now, I get that in the run of the show that makes sense, but they put a pretty good kibosh on that whole relationship a while ago, and I thought tied it with a pretty nice bow. I was kind of surprised that, I mean, obviously I know why they're doing it, but to have Sam believe in something like love here caught me a little off guard. Yeah, I, I think that's a good point. And I think the only thing that that's kind of supporting this kind of in the text, if you will, is no one told Mary about Delinda and Danny fucking. And it's like, there's a reason why we're keeping this for Mary, right? We all know it. We didn't have to come out and say it. We didn't discuss it at the meeting. We all just instinctively knew it'd be best if Mary and Big Ed don't find out, right? Yeah, wh- whether it is still in love with or just that was the childhood sweetheart, so there's a tiny bit of dibs kind of always there, I felt is more appropriate, but it, it kind of came out of left field given we haven't even touched Danny and Mary in the same universe lately. And I sort of feel like 
if I mean Danny, I think share. I think actually Danny has the most blame here because if you're infatuated with me, once you get engaged to somebody else, I'm good. And so I feel like I would be like, oh, Mary, gotta tell you know, because they still act like they're best friends. I mean, Mary, great news. Back to Pork and Delinda. Woo! You know how she does that thing with her pinky in the asshole like Sam, that Sam taught her? D- Danny, in my mind, is free and clear forever because forget she got engaged to somebody else. Danny proposed. For sure. He tried to marry Mary and Mary said, no, Mary, we will not marry. She said, no, Danny, we will not marry. First, she said to herself, no, Mary, this is not Mary. We cannot get married. The third Mary was M-E-R-R-Y. Of course. Where would I be without you spelling things for us? Homophones, more like homophone. I hate you. <laughs> First, you robbed me of the ability to walk through my paralysis jokes. Now this. Much like the horse did the Superman. I think this will be well and truly dead after this episode. <laughs> I think I think you've achieved what has taken you 25 episodes to do. I now no longer even want to make the jokes. I appreciate you saying that, but I think we both know that that's not true at all. <laughs> You're going to let one lie. You're going to let one episode go by where there's the clear and obvious shot and try to lull me into a false sense of security. You may even do two. But I, at some point, it's going to come back around. That that valley's going to tick back up. I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe. But, you know, I'll say this. I feel like I've smoked all the cigarettes in the carton all at once. I no longer want a cigarette. Hey, it's not just an educational podcast for our listeners, bud. It's educational for you and I as well. I don't like learning. You just did a phenomenal line read of a line Jillian's going to give us later. <laughs> This is also our demo tape. Hollywood, if you're listening, I'll hurt your boys. <laughs> Unless you're going to talk about blockchain bullshit. We don't want that. But why waste all that time hanging a painting in your home like you're some sort of Renaissance baronet when you could just pay to associate your name with a JPEG of a feckin' echidna? Ed's walking by one of the regular old ass blackjack tables when some guy wants to bet 10K on a 5K table. The dealer grabs Ed's attention, not, you know, her pit bosses, and he okays the wager. The guy promptly shows his whole ass by bitching about getting dealt a 16, accusing the dealer of doing it on purpose. When invited to play his hand, he makes a rapid gesture, which the dealer takes to mean he wants a card. He busts, and then he grabs her wrist. Can't do that. Big, big no-no. So Ed gets involved, and things are about to turn ugly when Ed's like, hey, why don't you go over to Wolfgang's? Grab a meal. I'll review the tapes like you want. We'll see if you wanted to hit or stay. We'll get to the bottom of this. Amazing patience by Ed for somebody who, I mean, the second you put your hands on a dealer, your ass is gone. I do not like this for Ed. I. This is the first in what will sadly be multiple insane decisions by our captain. If, if I'm Ed, I get big callers over. I pull out one of my business cards. I give it to this douchebag and I say, if you got a problem, you take it up with the NGC. Here's how you can get a hold of me. But you don't get to touch my employees. You're fucking gone. Full stop. They're going to walk you to the cage to cash out the rest of your money. See ya. And and even that would have been generous. I mean, I think I think you do that just because you want this guy to go away. Oh, of course. And you don't want fucking Metro showing up. 
But I'm if I'm if that's if I'm Ed, that's what I'm doing. Then I'm going up to my office and I'm calling the HEC. Heads up, this just happened. He grabbed one of my dealers. He's gone. Attached is this video of him clearly taking a hit. If you need anything, let me know. Regards, BED. <laughs> I assume he signs his emails. Big Ed line. I mean, it would make perfect sense. It would honestly be silly not to. If I was known by a cool nickname, I would use it in all professional correspondence, without a doubt. I mean, that makes perfect sense. Assuming my cool nickname was also one that like inspired fear among people who crossed me. Sure. I mean, that's the entire point of having a cool nickname like that. And also being a quasi-mobbed-up former company wet work agent. I, I mean, there's there's a lot that goes into it. You don't learn how to kill hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people to then worry about how you're seen by the NGC. Yeah, probably not a whole lot of worry in uh, Ed's mind on that one. But He wants to convey his gratitude to the Gaming Commission uh, for their gratitude and, uh, oh, horse shit. The wind is going to catch up to Mary, who seems to actually be swamped for once and doesn't really have time to talk to Delinda until she just decides, fuck it, she's Mary and we're going back to Old Barry and they're going to sit down and have a little chat. And Delinda says, look, be honest. I don't need sweet Mary. Just hit me with what you got. Should I marry Derek? Don't give me some bullshit platitude like look into your... Delinda, you should look into your heart. <laughs> He's like, come on, girl, something, please. Like, I don't need a fucking live, laugh, love section idiom that I could get from a fucking Walgreens or whatever. Give me something. Mary's like, look, I'm over two, man. I The marriage question is really not one you should come to me on because clearly I don't know what I'm doing. Hell, Sam's only over one. Maybe give her a shot, which... A little subtle jab from Mary, which was nice to see. Maybe maybe there's a little new Mary still bubbling up in there. I'm not dead. But Mary decides to try again, asks her some questions. You know, do you love him? He says yes. And he fucks real good. But then like actual sweet stuff that sounds like love and not, yeah, the hot dude that I used to hook up with is still good at having sex. Mary seems pretty impressed. And then... It goes south for us in a hurry. Before we get to that. Yes. I have to ask, when Dr. Fuckstick was in Sierra Leone for I don't know how long, six hours, six weeks, six months, but he left Vegas. Mm -hmm. Why wasn't Delinda calmly asking her friends the question she's asking now? It's like she forgot there was a midterm and is now scurrying around in the passing period before that class trying to collect everyone else's notes like. He, he fucking left town. You had time to be like, hey, Mary, I want to buy you a drink and talk and have like an hour and a half fucking sex in the city conversation at Opus. Like what? It, it was the perfect opportunity, <laughs> but without the gentle prodding where Derek is not trying to pressure her, but pressuring her turns out she needs that because out of sight, out of mind. So fucking stupid, but not nearly as stupid as the secret Mary lets Delinda in on which is that even when she was with Jake, including, if not especially the time he proposed marriage to her, all she was thinking of was Danny. Anyway, so what was that Ooh. secret you wanted to tell me, Delinda? <laughs> I I genuinely cackled at the, oh, yeah, about how you were going to tell me that you just fucked the guy that I told you I'm still in love with? That now? Huh? If this had been a cartoon, the rug would have bunched up under Delinda's feet as she ran off. 
Thank you for translating it into the audio medium. Here, here to help. My inclination is to replace that with the actual cartoon Foley, but there's no way it'll be better than that. I was going to say, I thought I got that pretty well done there. This is no situation. <laughs> Mike and Danny are in with Ed talking about the McKees and Ed comes off the top rope with something I feel like we do not get nearly enough. So do we have to help him? Uh, what do they play for? Close to a million a trip. Yeah, we help him. I routinely, as recently as fucking 10 minutes ago, dragged the show for a lack of realism. Hats off. This is the most realistic thing we've seen in the entire run of this show, which is everything in Vegas comes back to spend. Show tickets, restaurants, does not cabana, whatever. How much is this person worth to us, either in the casino or in the restaurants and the clubs? That that is the fucking North Star for these people at all times. It gets even better when Mike is trying to figure out if they should favor one over the other. Ed decides to ask, well, does one of them gamble more than the other? And when told it's about an even spin, decides, all right, I guess we'll call this one down the middle. Set set up some of our attractive employees to flirt with them so that they can have their fun. Just don't actually have sex with them. I did not fully understand this plan. I mean, I understood what he said. I just didn't understand the rationale. And Mike and Danny act like this is the fucking second coming of a chess grandmaster. No, it made perfect sense. You know that the couple wants to flirt and get a little silly. This is a way to try and burn clock with your own employees so they're not having to dedicate resources to following these people because you know when they're talking to your employees, they're not actually going to be fucking your employees, so you don't really have to worry about it all that much. I I could not disagree more if I tried. You're going to tie up a bunch of different resources in things that are not these people's core competencies. And also, if I'm rich and I get my rocks off by cheating on my spouse and I go to the Montecito and run into a fucking avalanche of swings and misses, I'm still going to get pissed. Like, I'm rich and good looking. Why am I not slaying? It's almost like the deck is stacked against me. I hate this place. (laughs) I mean, come on. We don't go back to fucking pits and casinos if they're unlucky. You think these guys are ever coming back to the Montecito? I'm not saying it's a great plan. I'm just saying that the plan made sense. What I'm saying is I understand the words. I understand the plan. I just don't think it's a good plan. I think it's shit and I don't understand their rationale. Fair fair enough. Boo these three idiots. Boo. Sam looks like just a kid in a candy store, all excited when Woody is walking into the lobby. Woody? Woody! 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 They make their way to the elevator and Woody says to some people who want to join them, no, 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 you're going to take the next one because as soon as those doors hit, Sam jumps him. While that's happening, Danny's giving Derek the nickel tour of surveillance and happens to be answering a question about how often they catch people fucking in public while Woody is actively attempting to shove his Woody inside of Sam. But Derek's really here to clear the air. You see, Delinda told him about her and Danny, 
and how they were borking before Derek showed up. And he's totally cool with it. No hard feelings. And look, if they end up being a couple, Derek hopes he can consider Danny a friend. But also, he can kill him and get away with it. So don't fuck Delinda again. We good? You know, it was it was such a reasonable conversation there. Derek Derek took the tact of, look, you were both single. I, if I'm in your shoes, yeah, of course I'm trying to hit that. I am currently hitting that. It's fucking great. Why wouldn't you? All seem to make sense until he tries to threaten, you know, the former Marine who is also probably pretty good at murdering people and getting away with it if he wants to, that he can give him a fucking tracheotomy and it looks like a bird ran its bill into his throat or something. <laughs> Fuck, I don't know. I know you like to joke that you're a doctor because technically you are, but next time you say that, I'm going to play this clip back at you. That's what you think he's going to do? Just saying it's it's one of the options. Got a lot of tricks in the bag. I think he's probably going to go with an undetectable poison. Everyone's going to assume it's an undetectable poison, Judson. A little fucking artistry, please. Nobody expects bird beak tracheotomy. God, I'm going to call in all remaining ordinance on this podcast. I don't care if we all die. I actually think this is the most reasonable thing Derek's done other than fuck Delinda since he's been on the show, which is get jealous about the guy who just fucked Delinda. I take no umbrage with Derek's play here. And I actually think that's what old colorectal Jean-Luc meant. And Derek just left that part out about... Uh, why did you leave that beautiful woman 8,000 miles away? What Jean-Luc said was, with the hot former Marine she was just fucking, you idiot. Yeah, it was not Napoleon going to Russia that fighting a land war in Asia was a bad idea. It was that Napoleon's girl was getting fucked by his old underling while he was trying to do it. Waterloo was just railing Mrs. Napoleon. You know, good old Waterloo. Because, and also probably... Not Mrs. Napoleon, seeing as Napoleon was his first name. Uh, you know, French are weird. Look, you're the history major on this podcast. What the, why am I even trying? Something something Elba, right? <laughs> yep, got him one. Actually, he was murdered on Elba. It's just one of the many things I know that most people don't. Mike is setting Mary up in the laptop lounge with a little camera on the iMac because Mary's going to be one of our hot employees to flirt with the creepy McKees. And Mary's listening to all this and going, wait, wait, wait. So I'm just bait here, right? What the fuck? Mike's like, yeah, uh-huh. Have fun. This was sanctioned by Big Ed. Smile for the webcam. Yeah, have a good time. Mary asks him if Delinda's brought up Derek to him and Mike says, well, not yet. But wait, please, please don't tell me that you already talked to her and you hit her with some look into your heart bullshit. Mary seems shocked, but it turns out this is just Mary's go-to answer. Old Mike was looking at getting himself a convertible and apparently Mary thought he should look into his heart there as well. The heart is not a fucking magic eight ball, Mary. Have another idea, <laughs> please. I'm begging you. It would be better if her idea was ask a magic eight ball. That's at least something you can do. It would be a little tricky to do the other. Hey, bud, let's just Ouija this shit up is still better than look into your heart. Not as good of a Cascada song, though. Yet. I don't know. Is Cascada dead? Is it possible it'll never be a Cascada song? Uh, well, she was more about listening to your heart. But, you know, listen, look. Both no, I, meant with the, I meant with the Ouija board thing. Like, can we, any chance she's going to slap, put that slapper out? 
I mean, I would listen to it. She puts out bangers. Free, free to good home, Cascada. Winchy board. Run with it. Un- unless, of course, you've also already passed, which rest in pettis. Or if you want to give us some non-fungible tokens in exchange for her great song idea. <laughs> some Cascada <laughs> coins, if you will. Gascoindas. It's going to really confuse people when Gascoindas are the official NFT of Pot at the Montecito. Like, I had to listen to this one, the middle of one reign of episode to figure out why they were called these. I think we've made it very clear that we are not going to let a random one-off bit becoming a thing stop us. Hasn't yet. Woody is riding a post-coital high, thinking he's escaped the wintry nightmare that is Boston, only to learn from Sam that she wants to go up into the mountains to a snowy cabin for a couple of days. And look, I see all sides of this argument. I really do. Sam should have been more clear with her plan when she called Woody. But Woody, and I say this to someone who lives in a place where it snows, a snowy cabin in the mountains is not the same as a dirty snow urban hellscape. And here you get to fuck Sam again. Roll with this punch, my guy. Yeah, it. I, I mean, to his credit, he had a great day planned. Gonna hit the pool, gonna go get a steak, gonna go to the club for a little bit, then we're gonna come back and bang again. I mean, he had himself a nice little itinerary, so getting that torn up hurts a little bit. But yeah, you got to roll with this one, Padna. I, I, his mistake was thinking that his day was his own to plan. From the moment you hop on the Samantha Jane ride, like you're handing, like if someone, what's the legal term to give yourself over to receivership? Because it's that. <laughs> yeah, no, you, you pretty much got it. His He gave Sam power of attorney. She she is now executor of all of his estate and free time. And hey, let her execute that free time, my guy. Her will is the only will that matters anymore. Woody throws a pissy fit and then Sam says, oh, I'm burnt out, which Woody just starts giving her shit about, which I guess coming from a cop to someone working at a casino, I could see him trying to make light of oh yeah, you're real burnt out at your casino job, wah, wah, wah. But what an asshole. Like Mike levels of trying to stash defeat from the jaws of victory. Yeah, luckily for him, Sam needs to get the hate meter up just enough to activate the horny mode. So after they bicker for a little bit, they start making out again. Danny reports to Ed with the analysis of the 10K, did he or did he not take a hit? But first, Ed wants to know how Danny feels about Derek. And I'm actually really starting to feel for Danny here. Like this is his his ankles are both strapped wide into the ball kicking machine. He's going to be there for a while. But this is the first time we were like, Jesus, from you, Ed. Yeah, our our dude is in absolute hell right now. It's a bad time to be Mr. McCoy. Danny takes a couple seconds, maybe just to put on a convincing show and play along with the notion that he likes Derek and moves along. To the heart of the matter, which is while it was a rush and somewhat dubious signal that personally, I think the dealer should have clarified. It seems apparent that the 10K doucher wanted a hit. So Ed's going to go down to Wolfgang's and set the guy straight. I could see how you would make it maybe make an argument for a dubious move. But we're at like 75, 25 level if we're being generous. I agree with their ultimate decision. I just think that it's going to trickle back down to the dealer like, hey, next time. Let's let's take a beat and clarify when somebody just fucking shoots out at you like a fucking snake in a can prank toy like that. I mean, that said, kids, 
a little mid-show advice, which I hadn't planned, but now that we're talking about it, the reason that this call didn't go in his favor, he was a fucking asshole to the dealer. You're not playing with robots. You want to play with robots, go to the machine. They'll let you bet all that money too. If you're a dickhead to the dealer, the dealers aren't going to help you. Yeah. I mean, I don't think she's going to take the hit on this for him, even if he's buttering her up, but there's no chance she does now. Yeah. She, she, she's not even going to give the, oh, I guess I could see how you might have thought it was a stay, but I thought it was a hit. It was a, no, nah, motherfucker, you said hit. Bye. Adios. I, I also think it is worth noting that while Danny is in the ball kicking machine, he is going to get a quick ice bag to help himself out when Ed hits him with a very almost begrudging, but a quick. No, I mean, I, I value your judgment Sometimes. While Danny's getting his ass whooped on one end, at least he still has the father figure mentor continuing to show he is proud of him. You almost have to imagine, though, that if Ed walks out of the room right there, Danny's like near sobbing in his chair, like, can we just play one more military game? (laughs) Just one more. So I know that you love me still. God, I miss the military history game. It was so good. Mary attracts the attention of Jeff, who comes over and spits some absolutely atrocious game. Like, Just putrid. Oh, God. Cartoon stink lines coming out of this guy. Jesus. Excuse me. Are you wearing space pants? Because your ass is out of this world. I mean, I, I get that life is probably real easy when you're good looking and rich. And so you don't have to do things like learn how to talk to people or be charming. But my dude, what are you doing? And we'll find out that they get off on this and they both have been flirting with a ton of people. You would think that he would accidentally learn better by now. Just just through pure repetition. This is like get drink thrown in your face bad. Yeah. And and Mary shows that she's ready to throw a drink, maybe not at Jeff, but at Mike as she stares into the camera and starts talking to Mike, which Jeff just kind of blows off until she sends out the Superman signal when she sees Casey across the way, and Casey comes in for the save. I'm just so disappointed I'm having to let Superman signal joke go. This is just, (laughs) God, I don't know who's having a worse go of it, me or Danny, but this sucks. This sucks out loud. Uh, Sometimes I'm able to think one move ahead, kids. You've ruined this entire podcast for me. And I don't just mean this episode. (laughs) I will never podcast walk again. Uh, uh, uh. Uh, One more for the road, kids. Casey plays the fake boyfriend well and even gives Mary a little smooch for good measure. And then some more smooching between the two. Reminder, Mary, Mike is watching. Also watching Jeff just kind of stands there awkwardly the whole time until after about four or five kisses, Casey decides to turn around and go, hey, what's up? You good? Got a nope out of there, right? Like, <sighs> like you got got, bud. On to the next. Casey's worried that if he misread the situation, he'd feel like a dumbass. I want to be like, uh, and a sexual predator who's harassing an employee. Like, we've seen one owner of the Montecito get sued for sexual harassment. Mm, I forgot about Brunson. If you misread this situation, Casey, you are numero dos. Yeah, and that's going to be an expensive lawsuit, but 
Good news is, Mary was a willing and able participant. Lipsy. Which has Casey interrupt Sam's getaway to the mountains to ask her to hook him up with Mary. Bud, you just did. You don't need help, my guy. You don't need an amicus brief. You're in. Just go back. You're talking to the wrong chick. Go talk to Mary. You're done. Again, maybe there's some mental block with being attractive and super rich that does not allow you to understand how interpersonal relationships work. But, bud, that that light is as green as possible. All, all you're doing right now is running the risk that the light turns yellow. And welcoming a roadblock be put in front of you. Fucking Sam will throw spike strips. Even if she's not interested in Casey, she'll do it just out of spite. 100%. If she's not actively leaving town to go fuck another guy, no doubt in my mind that Sam rededicates the rest of the episode to ruining Casey and Mary. Yeah, she she puts on a nice smile and goes, sure, honey, I'd be more than happy to help and rededicates herself to destroying his life for the rest of the day. I, I actually think Mary gets extreme renditioned out of there. Like Sam disappears, Mary. Oh, sorry, Casey. I, don't, I went to go talk to her. I couldn't find her. Cut to cut to her in Gitmo. <laughs> she just locks her in Ed's cabin for a while. Puts the bear rug on top of her with the face just right in her face. (laughs) (laughs) Jillian and Derek are having a nice lunch when Jillian decides they need a plan. Derek, being a reasonable, rational human being, says he doesn't want to have to manipulate Delinda into marrying him. And Jillian starts in on this whole, you know, gosh, when, when she was a kid, we never knew where Ed was. I just I hope we never have to do that with you. Check it out. I got you this great interview with a doctor's office here that is everything that you hate about the practice of medicine. I'm sure this will go well. Well, what's worse is when she says, you know, God, I hope you're not going to be an absentee father and husband like that. He assures her he won't be. But that's because she misread the situation. He's like, no, 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 no. If she says yes, we're hitting the road. Like, I'm still a doctor without borders. She's coming with. She's a grody. Yeah, what you didn't see at the entertainment portion of the venue where Cosme used to sing was a rare artifacts and antiques that on it you would see a monkey paw having one finger slightly curl as Jillian realizes, oh, I didn't do that wish well enough, did I? (laughs) Fuck. You fucked up, Jills. Fucked up real bad. Overplayed that hand just a tad, kid. Ed swings by Wolfgang's where... Seems to me, at least, like initially, the guy seems to have cooled down. And I honestly thought he was going to cop to knowing that he'd asked for a hit. And he was like, look, I had time to think about it. I want to apologize for my behavior. There's a lot of money. I freaked out. Well, you know, you get a nice free meal and you realize, oh, I I thought you were just some like upper management guy. I didn't realize you were the guy. So I think part of it was also a clawback of... I was an asshole to 100% the wrong guy. Oopsies. And instead, he's going to be even more of an asshole, claiming that he gambled away his rent money and that that's the Montecito's fault. And they ripped him off. And Ed was like, look, 15 seconds ago, I was going to offer you a comp room to get you settled. And now I'm throwing your ass out. We referenced that there were going to be several more bad decisions by Ed in this episode. When the guy says that money was my rent, I'm going to get evicted. Why the entire fuck would Ed say, don't worry about it, stay with us for a couple days? What possible upside is there here? This guy's been an asshole. 
you need to get him the fuck out anyway. But also, he's broke, so you got no spend here. Get him out of here, my guy. No, no, no. Because, like, so say they put him up in the Montecito for four days. He can then take that to the landlord and be like, no, I wasn't here for four days. You've got to extend my rent four days. So it basically it pushes out the eviction by however long he's at the Montecito. It makes absolute sense. I don't know. Are you really disagreeing with Big Ed here? Because that's uh, yes, this is a, uh, a lead pipe lock of a of an idea here. Is it? Well, in the sense that it makes absolutely no logic whatsoever. <laughs> I I did appreciate when the guy said, what is he supposed to tell his wife? Ed hit him with the. Well, you should tell you to stop gambling money you can't afford to lose. Also, where the fuck does this guy get off? gambling money he doesn't have in such an obnoxious way where he wants to raise the limit like what yeah you're trying to get it all back in one swing i everything about this guy sucks but sadly everything about how ed handled this also sucks it's the worst sam and woody roll up to the cabin and sam couldn't be happier it's so beautiful it's so picturesque woody be a doll get all five of my bags that i brought for the 48 hours that we're going to be up here. And also you can open the door on your own because I'm going to open it and then actively shut it on you. Going out of her way to be a dick. Woody starts to bitch because there is no evident TV right in the living room, which Sam makes fun of him for until she realizes that her cell phone has no bars and loses her shit. Just like that, the bloom appears to be off the rose. But remember, kids, Anger is Sam's love language. So mere moments later, they're fucking on the bear rug in front of the fireplace. Once again, post-coital chat doesn't go well. Then they have a screaming fight. And we all remember that anger is Sam's love language. And they're back to fucking again. It's a vicious circle. Goes round and round. That's what makes it vicious. And also a circle. I have to say, I am exhausted on behalf of Woody. Not only for the quick refractory periods that he's been afforded. (laughs) But also that it's just constant screaming or fucking like, can we just like take 20, get a sandwich, talk about the weather or something like, I don't know, hear any good jokes lately? It's it's a high intensity interval training weekend for Woody. No shit. With no rest period. Hope he hydrated on the flight over. God damn. And drink a bunch of pineapple juice. <laughs> Jesus. What am I kidding? Sa- Sam does not provide oral sex. No. She she is more than happy to receive, but do not expect she's going to be giving. Insists on receiving, refuses to give. Sam is the Jamie Ben of the Las Vegas cast. <laughs> ever since she left, ever since she stopped working the downtown casinos, she's never been downtown again. Heyo, but she'll straight up. I mean, maybe. Got it. Back on the strip, Delinda decides that she's going to tell Danny that. It's time to come clean to Mary. Danny hits her with, I'm sorry, I think you forgot that it's shut the fuck up Friday. This is the day where we (laughs) shut the fuck up. He's like, look, we had a chance to tell her, maybe, but nothing's gained from telling her what happened in the past, especially since it's not going to happen again. Shut your damn trap. And Delinda brings up how she told Derek and he was fine with it, even though Danny's question of how much did you tell him never actually gets litigated because I'm guessing that Delinda made that story a little different than, you know, it was the day before you got here that we were fucking. 
yeah, Delinda interprets it as like, did you tell him how big my dick is? And talks to him about like, you know, he needs to be more confident or whatever. And I don't that was not the read I got. Yeah, she makes this weird jealousy quip that it's like, no, Dan, this is not a jealousy thing. This is a you are trying to you're actively walking into a bear trap that we know is a bear trap. What if we just left the bear trap a mile back at, by the camp where we first saw it? And also, I meant, did you tell him that the day he came to town, you had invited me up to the room he ended up sleeping in to do anal while you handcuffed me to the bed? <laughs> That's what I meant. Not, did you tell him how big my dick is? What the fuck, lady? Just, uh, the, the vibes are horrendous right now. <laughs> it's a real Chelsea start of the 22-23 Premier League season situation. Sub-ideal indeed. You enjoyed it, didn't you? Yes, and, and I think he enjoyed it as well. It was nothing bad, guys. Nothing bad. Mike and Danny report back to Ed that both whales are doing a whole lot of flirting, but not any fucking, when Danny gets a call from Judy, summoning him to her suite. But first, Jillian's going to waltz into surveillance and loudly in the bullpen air the Derek laundry with both her and Ed surprised that people are eavesdropping. Like, motherfuckers, you're doing this in an office. You have an office in an entirely different hotel. Go there. Have that fight there. Also, just there, multiple conference rooms that we know are soundproof. Like, there are lots of places for you to have this conversation, not in the middle of the floor. And she's mad as hell that this guy's coming in out of nowhere and taking their daughter. But fucking Christ, Jillian, you orchestrated this whole goddamn thing. You built the large wooden horse within which the storming army is invading your gates, dummy. Built the horse, invited the army to get inside the horse, brought the horse inside, and then turned your back on the horse. You, you were surprised when you had refreshments out for the army inside that they were not pleased and didn't do what you wanted. Fucking just the most infuriating of all the infuriating things of Jillian 2.0. This I thought was the most like, girl, come the fuck on. Yeah, in, in response, we got a, I would argue, a very rare, extremely calm and reasonable Ed response of, look, I don't like it, but if she that's what she wants to do, that's what she wants to do. They're fucking adults, and I trust that Derek will take care of her. So you've been talking about how you want her to find a guy and settle down. She's settling on down, all right. What's your deal? And Jillian, as if... She listened to Judson 20 minutes ago, tells Ed that she doesn't particularly like when he's sensible like this. Casey finds Mary and confesses his emotions, puts himself out there, and they both giggle about the Montecito gossip mill. They get all flirty, and it seems like they're going to give it a shot. How sweet. Aren't you excited for another Mary rom-com thread? <clears throat> one, one second. No! Nope. <laughs> uh... This episode brought to you by the noise gate on Discord, which managed to block out the upper register there at the end. Thank you, Discord, for saving my hearing. Sam has decided she's going to take the car and just drive around in the dark in the middle of nowhere, hoping that if she gets far enough away from the cabin, she'll find some cell service. And she gets it for a second and then loses it mid-call and gets her car stuck in the snow again in the middle of nowhere at night. God only knows where. So after spinning her tires, Woody comes looking for her, does so with his gun drawn because he heard a noise. Well, I mean, Sam let out a 
pretty blood curdling scream upon For realizing sure. that the yeah no no car was my, my concern is the gun drawn thing not the is it to me it wasn't like she was being attacked she was frustrated scream I well the way that I assume this played out is that. Sam just decided to take the car and Woody was asleep or not paying attention and did not know what she was doing. Well, he so was hydrating. Sudden, Lord knows he needed it. But he hears this extremely loud scream and Sam is all of a sudden not anywhere near him. And the only person around who would probably make that scream, uh-oh, a fucking bear got her. I don't know. So he goes out with his gun. Of course he falls. The gun fires. Because apparently for a cop, he has terrible trigger discipline and had his finger on the trigger as he fell. Not a surprise. Let's be serious. Well, we, we're we led to believe that Woody's a good cop. He's kind of a doofus, but that he's a good mm, cop. You know what? That's fair. Withdrawn. But not the worst part of the scene, because Sam hears the gunshot go off, finds her version of mom strength in the form of the accelerator now magically getting the suburban unstuck and donuts out of there. She just didn't rev it hard enough. Like, uh, oh, you strenuously object. <laughs> oh, well, in that case, cool way to get the suburban up, I guess. Delinda continuing to work her way down the advice ladder is having dinner with Mike and says, finally has the conversation that she actually needs to have. On the one hand, she loves Derek. She thinks Derek's great. On the other, I'm not exactly a third world country kind of gal. Like, do I really just want to give up my life and go be a doctor without border, without a medical license? And Mike's like, look, a lot of ways this could go. You're just going to have to look for a side, which is just this side of slightly more helpful than Mary's look into your heart. It, it depends. Did you check your horoscope this morning, Delinda? You're a Pisces, right? Is, is your Venus rising into your cancer Taurus moon? What does her Ford Taurus have to do with this? I Man, I don't have a fucking clue, but it means something. But only if you were born somewhere between 124 and 37 seconds p.m. and 126 and like 32 seconds p.m., I believe. It's an incredibly specific horoscope. Astrology is fucking weird, man. And also that newspaper is 7,000 pages long, all of which is horoscopes. But I'm the only woman in America born after World War II who thinks astrology is a crock of shit. Now let's see if the big dog will eat. Danny's very apprehensively entering Judy's suite, likely because Mercury's in retrograde. <laughs> and she acknowledges that she knows he's been watching her. And he's like, look, straight up, why are you and your husband playing these dumbass games? And she's like, hey, look, all this temptation around in Neon City, how else should we spice up a marriage? And I genuinely laughed out loud when Danny hits her with, Scented candles. It was such a like you could barely hear the line. I, I wish that he had said it just a little bit louder for our sake, but it was a great line. I almost wonder if it's in the script <laughs> or if he just dropped that on his own. I think best friend of the pod, Josh, likes fucking with scented candles. Got got a little improv in there. Of course, Judy steps in the bathroom and moments later comes out naked, tackles Danny onto the bed just as Jeff comes in. But fortunately, he seems oblivious and Danny manages to shove Judy off him and back into the bathroom before he sees anything. It's like, so she doing anything? Nope, definitely not. Got got nothing, bud. Have fun. Bye. Definitely don't notice all of the lipstick all over my face and ask why your wife is currently naked. 
why is there a trail of vaginal discharge on your dress slacks, Danny? Ew. No reason. Uh, and at Wolfgang's earlier, the crook madame leaked. It's like the fucking truffle oil from the <laughs> dumplings a while back. <laughs> Benito! Benito! Ah, didn't have that one. Benito! We go back to the forest and Sam is looking for Woody only to find Finds him buried in the snow up to his chest, dead from a self-inflicted gunshot wound. The episode's over. So, Ed, did you like the episode? Uh, you were about half right. He has he has gotten himself stuck chest deep in a snowbank. And instead of any concern or care or worry, Sam is just going to literally fall to her knees laughing at him. Having been dug out of the snow, Woody returns to the Montecito where he's drinking at the bar. And Sasha Cohen, who had been name dropped earlier by Mary, sidles up next to him. And he fanboys out over who I think only ever won a silver medal in figure skating. I, I got to be perfectly honest. When Mary first said Sasha Cohen, I thought she was talking about Sasha Baron Cohen. And maybe early on in his career, he didn't use the middle name as much, but he had still done the Ali G show and got enough recognition. I don't know. I completely forgot that there was a cute figure skater girl named Sasha Cohen. I had the exact same analysis of what Mary had said earlier. <laughs> That's how I know that she was a silver medalist because... Obviously, your boy is not walking around with that knowledge. I, I like how you uh, tried to play it as off the dome, but it was well done. I thought for a second also, I was like, is that the porn star that does all the butt stuff? That like what? Because didn't she have a turn on Entourage? And I was like, oh, is she like <laughs> Sasha Gray? Sasha Gray. Right? Yeah. It's I was like, wait, did she go <laughs> fucking mainstream NBC? That's wild. No, the earlier turn to her acting career than we were expecting. Talk about uncut and uncensored. Hey, yo. She's farting cum out of her ass all over the bar stool. Gross. 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 I know that's not making the episode, but gross. Gross. It's payback, and I understand it, but gross. <laughs> I wouldn't be so sure about that not making the episode. <laughs> I'm very amused with myself. Oh, going to be some weird tags on this episode. <laughs> so, yeah, he he's fanboying out, taking a selfie, and he's bumming because he and Sam are fighting and he's forgotten that's her love language or it's not his and he's had enough. I don't know. Who cares? Uh, why Sasha Cohen is engaging in this conversation any longer? Who knows? Why she's on this episode at all? Who knows? Yeah, isn't this middle of summer that this episode's airing? Like... Maybe it's like early April. Maybe she's just fresh off the Olympics aired by NBC. Maybe. Uh, weird, weird choice. We start with the snowboarders. We end with Sasha Cohen. It's a real Olympic tie-in sandwich. I guess. Delinda and Derek are finally being reasonable adults and having the conversation of, huh, maybe we should talk about me, a princess white girl from Las Vegas living in a third world country where third world to me is when my five-star hotel doesn't turn down service when I want it. I mean, like, look, I don't want to belittle the nature of the issue. This is a big sticking point. But God, it took us a fucking eternity to get here. And honestly, it doesn't feel like anyone helped her get here. She just sort of came up to this on her own. Like, Mike was not even paying attention to her in the conversation. He was watching Judy. God damn, Delinda. How long did it take for you to realize you didn't want to go to Myanmar? That's fine. 
it it doesn't seem like that would be a hard jump to make. No. The McKees are back together, all lovey-dovey at a blackjack table, and they wave to... Hey, that's exactly what my notes say. Lovey-dovey. God, we've we've known each other too long. Podcast hive mind. (laughs) Wave to the trio of Mike, Sam, and Danny who are walking through the floor, and Danny's telling Sam about this crazy story of Judy jumped him and she was naked, and Sam finally laughs and goes, Oh, yeah, did I forget to tell you that... They just get off on this whole bit. Danny calls them perverts, and Sam hits us with one of the best lines we've gotten in a while. Oh, poor people are perverts. Rich people are eccentric. Sam and Danny find Woody and Sasha at the bar, and Sasha is smitten with Danny, which is good for him because Danny is only slightly better at opening lines than old Jeff. We'll get to that, but Woody's convinced, okay, I know what I'm going to do. Sasha Cohen, fake flirt with me, and then Sam will get jealous. It'll totally work, which Sam called out within, I don't know, 0.8 seconds of arriving to the couple at the bar. Did not take her long to crack the code. Yeah. Finally deciding to just cut to the chase, Sam offers Sasha a trade proposal, which Sasha readily takes. And Danny decides that to try to impress the Olympic figure skater, he's going to bring up that he used to play hockey and could skate backwards and everything. Judson. No, I do not think he played hockey. <laughs> Thank you. Just we're, we're well before the Las Vegas nights. They are in Las Vegas. Don't feel like there was a burgeoning youth hockey scene there. Nope. And also, he's playing football and baseball. There's no way he's a three sport athlete where all three sports are that closely packed together and require that much time commitment. No way. He just wanted his athlete diploma badge from St. Andrews. Well, he should have tried fucking cross country or something. There's no way this motherfucker played hockey. And if you did, I don't think ask a hundred hockey players, zero of them first talk about I can skate backwards. Not not a great play here, old Danny boy. But hey, you know what? He's had a rough day. That's sort of a a necessary but insufficient condition of playing organized hockey. Like, (laughs) oh, did you lace your skates up too, big boy? What the fuck? (laughs) We go back to Delinda and Derek and the the mood has taken a turn. Derek says, look, I got to go. I'm going to catch a flight to Shanghai tonight. Delinda's a bit surprised because he's supposed to have another 10 days there. Derek says, yeah, whatever. Fuck it. 10 more days isn't going to change this. Clearly, you're not in. It is what it is. Tell your parents thanks. Adios. And look, I'm thrilled that Derek appears to be exiting the stage and hopefully our lives forever. We haven't been the biggest fans of Derek on the show, but this is a real dick move on his part. He's making it seem like she's wrong for not wanting to upend her life. He also won't upend his. And right. look, obviously, someone who is giving of his life in service like him is better than somebody morally and ethically that's running food and beverage for a major casino. But she's not working a fucking, you know, 40 hour week at some shitty retail job. She has a honest to God, legit career that she has put together to find the expectations of everyone who knew her. And he's like, cool. Why don't you go someplace where none of that applies and just hang out and raise our kids? Yeah. Well, and forget the career aspect she would also be leaving behind her entire life, everyone she knows and loves and all her friends, 
to go somewhere where she's not going to speak the language has it, it is going to sound mean to say no useful skills, but I don't think she's going to be super helpful in random village seven in the middle of the wilderness. Like that does not seem like her skill set is going to transfer. Not because she's inept, but like none of what she's been doing translates to an impoverished village in the middle of nowhere. Right. And with no preparation and no desire to take on that kind of a life. Hell of an admirable lifestyle, but that you got to be ready for that choice. And while we joked about how she may have had days, weeks, months to decide, that's the kind of decision that would take days, weeks, months, to be perfectly honest. And it seems like though we could argue she should have figured it out sooner, it has just now occurred to her that this is the crux of the issue. So terrible look for Derek. Throw a temper tantrum and storm out of town. Boo. Get on. Go. Get. But before we can escape this nightmare, old Prego goes into labor at the crab's table, admitting to Derek that her water broke three hours prior, but she stuck around because she was on a heater. Love the commitment. This girl rules. Big fan of this girl. She was the shooter. She can't leave. She She's on a three plus hour roll. Are you fucking kidding me? Just like take a wide stance and have the cocktail waitress bring you some aspirin. You keep rolling, man. Get one of those, uh, you know, high walled bus trays. <laughs> Since it turns out Sasha Gray is not here. She can be the one that discharges everywhere. It's fine. Gross, 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 gross. I hate this episode. <laughs> We've made pod war at each other now. Uh, I mean, as is our want. How bummed are you if you're at that table right now? I'm livid. I mean, Well, I mean, I can't be that mad because the girl's been on a three hour run. But also, like you and I like to joke when we're playing at the same table that much like Mike, we look for signs when it is time to go. And I think if the shooter who has been on the roll of a lifetime starts actively giving birth, you just kind of look up and say, all right, gotcha. It's been fun. Good luck with all that. I get it. I'm not pissed, but I'm extremely disappointed at how it ended. It's so anticlimactic. And also, how long are my wagers going to be imprisoned? Like all my pass and combats like that I can't take back. That's that's right. Is there a process for this? Do the dice pass mid roll? Because fuck that. No, uh, -uh. I'm I'm off. I'm 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 now raising the hissy fit and asking for a pit boss and be like, yo, look, that's y'all got to do what you got to do. But let's, let's part friends and I just take what's mine and we all go home happy. Huh? Medical emergency, but I'm taking down all my wagers, right? Not just some of them, not just the odds. I want them all. Nothing at all. Coming out of commercial, Derek decides that, well, we're just going to deliver a baby right here. Go get us some tablecloths from one of the restaurants. Hit me up with some wet wipes from by the slot machine to sanitize my hands. Let's go. And in the absence of a coordinated Lamaze plan, Delinda channels the craps table vibes to get Prego to push and goes with, you bet it all on the line and you need that seven, which Horrendous. could be situationally correct. But getting a dedicated craps player to scream seven over and over again, that's a real tough way to welcome a new life into this world. That kid's missing a toe or something like some, some not not everything is going to be where it should be on that baby. Go with the yo. Everybody loves the yo money. There's no situation in which an 11 is hurting the shooter. It, every, it's, it's a universally good number. 
Good news is she pops that baby out in like 10 seconds. I mean, that's the quickest baby. I mean, she's, been, she's been in labor for three hours. I mean, yeah, I guess technically did, did not seem to be. Oh, man, this poor girl. She's going to realize in like three weeks that she can never play craps at the same level again unless she is mid labor. Well, here's the thing. A three hour craps run is a real Alexander's conquered the world situation to begin with. Sure. Because you're never doing that again. Like if I go on a three hour craps run, I probably I'm like, I'll play craps again, but like not often, not for very long and like not for the amounts that I had been because you're never going to get that back. Yeah, you you weep because all the lands have been conquered. Uh, I'm I'm with you there. That's fair. But rough situation for Prego. Anyway, she pops out the baby. Everybody's happy. And Delinda just starts saying yes over and over and over again, finally looking at Derek and saying yes, which we are to believe is to the proposal maybe from seven months ago. Who knows? With a bit of a musical denouement, Sam and Woody have had another tussle in bed and getting to the heart of their weird, broken relationship before heading off to a suspiciously conveniently scheduled dinner at Wolfgang's when they come across Barry Barona confronting Ed. Turns out, after hearing about the loss, Barry's wife has taken the kid to Sacramento, and he holds Ed personally responsible, which Ed doesn't really give a shit about until he starts threatening him with, like, pretty serious shit. I know where you live. I know where you play golf. I know what time you come to work. He went real stalkery real quick. And that gets him thrown up against the wall. Old old Woodman decides it's time to go into action when he sees Ed start to choke the dude and, to Woody's credit, gets in Barry's face and takes him out on his own, cuffs him, tells the collars to take care of him. Ed appreciates the gesture, but is like, come on, really, you know who I am. I don't need this shit. And Woody hits him with the, I don't know, man, he had a scary look in his eyes. I've seen it before. Ed nonplussed as one would expect. I'm sure this won't come up next episode. I mean, ever again. No, of course not. At this fortuitously scheduled dinner, Ed, which I thought, of course, everyone knows Delinda and Derek are engaged. This is the engagement dinner. Nope. They're just getting the whole band together at Wolfgang's for no fucking reason. And they're, they're celebrating a random baby being born on the casino floor. Ed offers a toast to old baby Chance. And then Delinda and Derek stand up and announce, we're getting married. And in 10 days time, we're off to Myanmar. Sorry that we're going to have to go downtown and get married. And of course, Jillian's not having anything to do with that. We launch into a quick like who's going to do what? And Casey's going to throw in the jet and Mary's going to cancel a conference or something. So, so Somebody's getting shuffled off to a side room and is going to be very upset with their service. Everyone's getting all these great plans in until Danny says there's a problem. And the pall that falls over the table is palpable. Like everyone is there is a scared silence here that goes on just a couple seconds longer than it needed to for everyone to be like, oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. Don't Danny. It was a real record scratch moment. What are you going to do, bud? And he decides, how the fuck is Mike going to get a date in 10 days? Am I right? Ayo. Fuck. You got to feel terrible for Danny here. I mean. Mike's got Sarasvati, Mary's got Casey, Sam's got Woody, Ed's got Jillian, Delinda now has Derek, and Danny just has to sit there. I think now realizing, oh wait, I love Delinda, and she's about to go to Myanmar with another guy. 
Yeah, my dude is sitting 11th wheel right now. And and they do a great, you know, he puts on a brave face, but as we're fading out and we get the shot of Mary and Casey holding hands, which again, Mary gets to go on and continue to fornicate with people in the room, but Danny can't. Just tossing that out there. File that information away, listener, for season four, episode two or three, somewhere in there. But oof-a-loof, the look on Danny's face as we go into the close. Props to your boy, Josh. He nailed this one. Like he, Danny is in the mud right now. Real strong. Why didn't that airstrike kill me vibes? Yeah. Were, were he able to switch places? He's, he's thinking he might've been better off over there right now. Ed, did you like the episode? Yeah, I, I think so. For the most part, I, I'm worried about where the Casey Mary stuff is going to go. But on the whole, I had fun with it. How about you? Uh, very similar reaction. Not my favorite. Very heavy on the rom-com. At least this was plot advancing rom-com and I can mostly live with that. And Woody's nice, you know, as a, as a comedic well to tap from time to time, but not a great Woody episode. Yeah, I the, the shines come off Woody for me. I'm not going to lie. So I was fine. You know, not high on my rewatch list, but no, I'm not turning the TV off if it's on during the marathon. Sure. It is, I, I would say, the weakest of the penultimate episodes we've gotten so far. Agreed. Because usually we come in pretty hot towards the end. And I, again, I think it was a perfectly good episode, but it was not sort of the levels we've had in the past. Well, and this was also a real, like, uh, setting up the deck for the magic trick. Yeah, we, we had to move the pieces on the board to get to the finale, for sure. So let's talk Chipling. Currently, Sam holds the crown, followed by Delinda, Ed, Mike, Mary, and poor Danny. So let's start with the obvious. He ain't, he ain't going, going nowhere. nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> that was a, a bad day at a bad time for young Daniel. Uh, and that, that was not scripted. That You listeners got that in stereo because that was exactly how we feel about that. <laughs> um, you know, setting aside what may or may not happen, I think we got to flip Delinda and Sam. Because the night you get engaged is a dub, and it's a big dub. I'm I'm with you there. I uh, well, I think Sam, for the most part, had a good episode. Like this was a winning episode. Like you said, getting engaged that's a that's a bonus multiplier that you, there's nothing you can do about. And you know, in this situation, Sam's winning pots. Dylan is just winning, winning bigger ones. Yep, one hundred percent. I also think we got to flip Mike and Ed because Ed made some just headed moves with old Barry here or whatever the fuck his name is. So got to see him moving backwards, I think. I, I completely agree. Ed needs to move down. The question I was going to raise is, does Mary's budding relationship, uh, a train is coming for Mary that she doesn't know about yet. But as far as she knows, she's got herself a new boy. Yeah. I mean, what does she have, though? She's got a smooch and a handhold and a, and a coffee date, which and isn't nothing. But is it enough? I Well, so I was looking at it of between Mary and Mike. Mike was just kind of there today. I mean, we, did, we didn't even get a, a little sexual harassment handbook flirting issue with him and Sarasvati. He was just sort of going through the motions here. And while I agree that Ed needs to move down, I think he may actually find himself second to last with Mary jumping Mike, too. Oh, you've got Mary jumping. So you've got Mike staying fourth and Ed and Mary flipping. I do. Ooh, okay. 
I, I guess the other question we have to, with respect to Ed, because I think we both agree he played this hand wrong throughout, but is seeing his baby girl finally getting engaged to somebody that he seems to like and appreciate, does that get him chips back? I think it gets him some back, but I don't think it's enough. And thinking back, Mary and Mike had just swapped places, so I would grant you that they're close enough that they could swap back. So I'm with it. So we've got Delinda, Sam, Mary, Mike, Ed, Growing Chasm, poor, poor Danny. Which, again, wow. You showed me that leaderboard six months ago? I'd say you're a crazy person. But congratulations, Delinda. You are our new chip leader. Bing. From time to time, we like to honor people who've done Vegas exceptionally well. I've got someone. You got anyone? I, I, I've got two pitches I could make. All right, hit me with them. So, so first off, I think anybody that goes on a three-hour craps roll is doing Vegas well, but it's a weak argument because she does poop out a kid on the floor, and now you're yeah. stuck with a kid. So I, I think she's disqualified, but I wanted to give her some, some props. Honorable mention, but if you have a kid, you've not done anything exceptionally well, much less Vegas. 100%. However, people who I think did Vegas exceptionally well... I think the McKees fucking killed it. 100%. Just a horny, they're making money, having a great time, just killing the game. Yeah. I mean, I would love to see Jeff have better game for someone who loves to do this all the time, but he seems to not care too much. Well, and he was getting frisky with the girl when Mike and Delinda were watching at the at the bar, so yeah. he figured something out eventually. Gotta assume Jeff's putting in a ton of time at Bella Petal, right? Oh, yeah. As as Ed mentioned at one point that I we didn't bring up because it didn't really matter. But when Danny and Mike were giving him kind of the hilarious rundown of all of their antics, Ed asked, when the fuck do these people gamble that they're gambling so much money? Well, and when Jeff comes back to the room, he's up 62 grand like in the last session. I mean, damn, they're this category was made for them. Yeah, they're they are crushing it. We may have to rename this category the McKee Award. <laughs> The McKee key. It's a key. Francis Scott key. It's the Francis Scott key key. Well, that is a different fox hunt altogether, isn't it? There's been a lot of advice administered throughout this episode. Got any, got any more tricks in your bag? One last present Santa can drop on the under the tree for us? You know, one, one last little nugget in honor of the McKees. Kids, if you want to get a little freaky, just make sure you got a big bankroll. Everyone will let you do what you want. Also helps if you're extremely attractive as they both are being conventionally attractive does seem like it'd be a nice thing i think that gets them in the door and then the bankroll seals the deal yeah T- tough living those two yeah not donating to the gofundme for the mckees let's put it that way <laughs> no no not a lot of hearts uh hearts being poured out for them well we talked about jeff's big willy but any chance we'll see the r- real big willy next time well, next time on Pod at the Montecito, Father of the Bride, season finale. In this remake of the Spencer Tracy classic, George and Nina Banks are the parents of young wife-to-be Annie. George is a nervous father, unready to face the fact that she is now a woman. Oh, this stupid the, bit. Uh, I'm sorry. That, that is the 1991 Steve Martin movie, Father of the Bride. Try again. <laughs> All right. Next time on Pod at the Montecito... Father of the Bride, season finale. A is fa- this Tom Clancy-inspired video game? 
A father's coming to grips with his daughter's upcoming wedding through the prism of multiple relationships within a big, sprawling Cuban-American clan. Love is simple. Family is not. Oh, I'm sorry. That was the 2022 direct-to-HBO Max streaming service Father of the Bride starring Andy Garcia and Gloria Estefan. Estefan, Estefan. No telling if the Miami Sound Machine is involved in the project. But, Judson... Next time, on pod at the Montecito, Every morning. Father of the Bride season finale. On the eve of her wedding, Delinda can't fight her old feelings for Danny, but her mixed emotions are quickly overshadowed when her father's CIA past resurfaces with a vengeance. Is that the actual episode or is that another one of your jokes? Well, I mean, you know, I said Delinda. How many other times she get that name? I don't know. Presumably at least one somewhere. <laughs> Well, I'm looking forward to it. If for no other reason, then if we make it through one more episode, we can say goodbye to Derek once and for all. Spoiler alert. I mean, come on at this point. Pretty much. Big news for our fans. Uh, you shared with me, you have purchased season four of the DVDs. We Season four and season five DVDs are back in my possession. I, uh, I don't know how I lost them in the move, but went ahead and re-upped because... Uh, Everything I've seen about Peacock's September servings is no Las Vegas inside. Those motherfuckers. Well, bad news for you. Good news for our dear listeners, because the show will continue. So thank you, everyone who's joined us in honor of Eddie's sacrifice. Why don't you go ahead and throw us up one of those five star reviews? Additionally, you could hop on Twitter, yell at Peacock about how he had to give them more. OK, don't bring up the DVD purchase. That probably, probably works for cross purposes. Yeah. Yelp them about the service. Yeah, some some folks have been getting after them lately. A couple of them have tagged us in there. We we see you. We appreciate your efforts. Keep it up. Tell a friend about the show. Just don't tell James Assure. He doesn't care that Eddie bought the DVDs. Not at all. Although he might. He might get a little piece of the residuals. I don't know. I don't know how that works. Mm -hmm. Possible. Maybe that's a question for our special guest, who we may or may not have on the season three retrospective. Oh, yeah? Teaser. (laughs) We want to get a hold of us. You can use that aforementioned Twitter at Montecito Pod. Use the hashtag Las Vegas for Peacock. You can email us pod at the Montecito at gmail.com. Eddie, some clarification if you would. Letters into curlies. Oh, we're getting a little jingle to it now. I like it. Trying something new. I like it. And until next time, I've been Judd, he's been Ed, and this has been Pod at the Montecito. Juices.